Welcome to Building Boston and Beyond. I am Lydia Rivera. This educational podcast provides residents with information on the economic growth of their community and the many resources and services available to improve their quality of life. From discussions with public officials, businesses, organizations, and people wanting to affect change, Building Boston and Beyond aims to further educate and empower residents to have a voice, connect with their community, and join the decision-making process. Our guest today, born and raised in Chelsea, is City Council President Roy Avellaneda. Dedicated to the preservation and advancement of his hometown of Chelsea, Roy's advocacy to ensure residents have equal access to programs and services is his mission. Chelsea, majority Latino, with 40,000 residents and hardest hit by COVID, continues to be challenged with various obstacles. From food and housing shortages to financial hardships, to the imbalance in the distribution of federal funds. Yet, Council President Avellaneda remains optimistic in the city's fight to be seen, to be included, and have access to funding where neighboring cities have benefited. Roy talks strength in numbers and thanks Chelsea's Gladys Vega of the Collaborative, who is fighting daily for funding to rebuild Chelsea, and he praises Governor Baker's immediate response to the city's funding plight with an additional $100 million for the state's four hottest hit cities. We are excited to hear more from Council President Avellaneda. Let's begin with your path to politics and public service. You know, I've been on and off the council now for over 20 years. Mm -hmm. I came on right after receivership. The city had, you know, filed bankruptcy in the late 80s, was taken over by the state. And during that time period, the city restructured itself and went from a mayor, alderman set up and to a new structure where they went with city manager and city council. And it was during that time, during the mid nineties, that there was this feeling that we needed new blood. And I was encouraged by my father and friends of his who were involved to, uh, you know, run for office. And I got on in 1998 and I served up until 2010 where I left to go join MassDOT. Yes, that's right. And then I was at MassDOT for five, five and a half, six years. You know, and one of the conditions when I joined MassDOT, because it was ledge affairs, that I had to leave my city council position. Really? I started in the uh, ledge affairs, which was like a little bit of a high profile position. Yes. I had to leave the city position to work at MassDOT and ledge affairs. And then when I left MassDOT because my, my uh, real estate practice was growing, mm-hmm. I left MassDOT to do that with greater attention. And it freed me up to say, okay, you know what? I'm going to run back for city council. There were a lot of local issues that were not being addressed. And back at that time, it was housing, affordable housing. Mm -hmm. We had had a run of development in Chelsea, thanks to the great leadership of Jay Ash back then. Mm -hmm. But at the time, no one had the pricing out of people and the possible gentrification that could happen uh, that was already starting to rear its Mm -hmm. head in neighboring East Boston. So I came back on to say, look, we got to do this. And the items that I had pushed 
uh, early on in my second tenure were things like getting the Community Preservation Act approved, which was helpful, approving inclusionary zoning, which led to a requirement of affordable housing uh, in developments that we didn't have on the books, mm-hmm. and the creation of the Affordable Housing Trust Fund uh, board, all of these things that happened. And interestingly enough, it was the CPA money that was raised that ended up helping, you know, this past year with COVID. Wow. When we started rental assistance and helping people pay for their rent, we tapped into that fund, you know, and one of the things that I had argued about the CPA was, yes, it's for affordable housing, it's for green new space, it's for historic preservation, we thought of ways on how the money could be used, but my argument was that there are going to be so many ways that we can't predict how we're going to use this money, which is why we should do it. It's we don't know what the future you know holds for us. And sure enough, four years later, wow, you know, COVID comes and, and whack. We had that in place, and we had that pot of money in place. And had we not passed the CPA, we wouldn't have been able to help a lot of people uh, with rental assistance. I mean, clearly this past year, I mean, from what I've read and heard, I mean, it's been so challenging for Chelsea. You know, what are, what are the, the, some of the initiatives that you have undertaken with your colleagues and other political support systems? You know, personally, I, I, want, I wanted to talk about what I got involved with because, again, in another hat, uh, I, you know, I opened up a coffee shop in Chelsea and I had that previous experience Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, my father had Tito's Bakery in Chelsea. I had opened up a coffee shop rather yep. in 2000 and then and ended up selling it and getting into real estate. But I always had that idea, you know, that passion for it. And I reopened one back in 2016. I jokingly say I opened up on the worst day in American history. <laughs> I'm you, I'm very political. You know that. And yes. my coffee shop was themed about involvement, activism. And I have quotes on my ceiling about getting involved and not playing to the sidelines. Cool. Regardless of political affiliation, I just prefer people to get involved rather than sit on the sideline. Mm-hmm. And I opened it up on election night. <laughs> so the same day that we were thrilled that we had gotten the CPA passed was the same night we had hoping to see the first woman to get elected. And instead we had Trump. And it was like, it was like, oh my God, the worst night in history. And I opened up, I always joke about that because of course I'm a Democrat. So, yes, but I had the coffee shop in Chelsea for this time. And then during COVID had shut down because of the restrictions. I ended up using that coffee shop to help kickstart a food pantry. That's great. Uh, Right in the very beginning in April of uh, 2020, we had started to see all these people who were unemployed, the essential employees of uh, uh, in Chelsea, which make up 80% of our population, are people who work in restaurants and cleaning and such. And they were without means. And before you knew it, you know, we had lines around the block. Um, And I had used my list of contacts and knowledge of people in the food industry to gather supplies such to create these food boxes and it blew up. So right away, you know, because of the line that was happening in the, in the news that was, we were being covered, it kicked off the city creating its own food pantry Mm -hmm. and funding came from cash reserves. And then we, of course, over the time that while I'm on the council, we've been supporting various food pantries in the city. In addition to a first in the nation, I believe, the Chelsea Eats 
food debit card, which again, I reacted quickly to be able to say, look, let's get some boxes created and food to people, you know, and then, but there's that process of getting in line. When the city manager got involved on the city side, I had very frank conversations with him and said, you know, I don't think that it's smart for the city to be doing the same thing that I am doing. There's a lot of work, a lot of labor, a lot of production and working with vendors to deliver rice and vegetables and meats and all this and create these boxes. You know, I told him, I said, look, we're recreating the wheel. We need to just, can't we just go down? Can't the city just go down the market basket, buy a ton of gift cards and just hand them out? Because that way the person just goes and it's, it's already there. Why are we recreating everything? You know, we have supermarkets. We got the biggest supermarket in the Eastern Seaboard. You know, just here you go. You know, and and so that's where we're at. So we created, you know, there's the creation of the, the food card, which makes sense. And it's kind of like SNAP. Mm-hmm. You know, it's like a SNAP program, but our own city one. Yes. And, and it's for city residents. I got to give the city manager a lot of credit. Uh, he was able to not only use uh, city money, but uh, work with the Shaw Foundation. Mm-hmm. The United Way has donated to it. Boston Foundation has also donated to it. So we're extending the program that was originally supposed to be just four months. It's that we're now going into, I think, the seventh month. Mm-hmm. It's been great. So we've been doing that. And of course, we've been doing extensive city-sponsored COVID-19 testing. And now, of course, the rollout of the vaccine. And as soon as we get, you know, vaccines delivered to us, we are trying to get everyone vaccinated. How is this additional funding that you've received? Where is that being allocated to? This will be the second round. The first round was last year. Um, We haven't received this second round yet. So last year we received the American Recovery Money Funds. And those money were concentrated on rental down payment assistance. We didn't only just give people money or to uh, who were renting, but if you had a mortgage and we, we had a round there, mm-hmm. we supported the existing food pantries, mm-hmm. but they continued. We did a lot of work with small business loans, forgivable small business loans, because many of these did not qualify or could not go through the whole process of the SBE. There was loans of anywhere from $11,000 to $15,000 direct cash installments to these local businesses to survive. That's wonderful. Yeah. We established a Chelsea resident-only legal clinic. This group not only helps with mitigation, but it helps try to help tenants apply through the burdensome task of applying for RAFT uh, raft down payment assistance, you know, for the landlord. Yes. Those are the things that we established. Now you talk about how we're going to get this money. We haven't gotten the money yet, mm-hmm. but the, you know, the, the, so we received $11.6 million from the original amount. And with governor Baker, who has squeezed out an extra hundred million dollars for those four communities that didn't get the enough that they should. Mm-hmm. But we expect anywhere from 26 to $28 million in Chelsea. Half of that has to go back to the city for all the lost revenue that we are not getting. Drop in excise taxes, auto excise taxes, a drop in our hotel revenue receipts. All the hotels, of course, right. uh, did not bring in revenue. So the, we're plugging the hole in our annual budget with half of that. And then the rest will go back to the same programs that we already have in place. Yes, to replenish. Yep. And 
Trust me, all of our community stakeholders, nonprofits that have been doing a, you know, the Herculean job of helping our local residents are all eager to get their piece to continue the programs that they're working on. Um, but I expect that the, that money is going to be used again for rental assistance for the local businesses, for the legal clinic and for the food pantries, the same thing. Yes, I mean, I, I like how you've taken these programs that, as you said, were larger programs in the city of Boston that people would access. But again, it's difficult because there's a long line to those programs. But you've taken these and made it your own programs within yeah. the city of Chelsea. Yeah, that, that's very smart. I mean, you, you mentioned, you know, you say, how does a community like Chelsea that is small, how are they able to survive, so to speak? You know, and, you know, again, groundwork, a lot of it and a lot of communities are jealous in Chelsea in this manner. After receivership, Chelsea, like the, you know, we've had two big fires and a lot of downturn in the economics here. Mm -hmm. We recovered strongly in the 1990s into the 2000s. A lot to the great economic development that happened under Jay Ash. Yes. uh, Who was our city manager for many years. Mm -hmm. And the city was able to build its cash reserves. We had close to $26 million in cash reserves for this community. When other communities hear about what we have in cash reserves, they just are starstruck. Yes. Like, wow, you know, annex us, they say, please take us over. They wouldn't expect it. Because it's incredible. They won't expect, they don't have those reserves. And it's just great financial stewardship by the administrations ever since we went to that city manager type of government that is able to save us. So Chelsea had this cash that could help fund these programs and do it. And also, like you know, whether it's the business world or whether it's the you know sports professional world, being small allows you to move quickly. The fact that we are small allows you to say, oh, you know what? A program like this, we can do a test pilot program because we are so small. Mm-hmm. You know, I don't know if you could do a, a Chelsea Eats program in Boston, mm-hmm. but we are a great test kitchen sort of environment, being small, being independent, right, um, and uh, able to act in that way. So having that cash reserve and being small and agile is what helps us be able to, uh, as you say, survive. Right. And I feel you're such a small community, yet you are survivors. And it's about access to uh, the services of which these people deserve to have access to Mm -hmm. and direct access to and not wait uh, for services and, you know, and, and, and it has its pros and cons, you know, um, you know, when it, I, I can say that as being an advocate in that advocacy position and, you know, having worked at MassDOT where you both and I know, you know, we have been on the ledge fair side where, you know, usually the big boys are the ones that get things done. You know, it, it's hard for a little city like Chelsea to get the intention of a state agency like MassDOT when you're competing with Boston. Let's be honest. I mean, if the city manager is calling and Tom and Eno is calling, Tom and Eno got the, got the attention because he was that powerful. 
And that's the hardest thing about living and working and trying to advocate for a community like Chelsea is because you are small and you don't have that political weight when you're next to a gorilla like Boston, Somerville and Cambridge and getting the attention. And that's the most difficult part. So again, I have to go back to our state delegation uh, such as uh, Senator Saldi Domenico, Danny Ryan, and our federal folks who are able to come in and say, you know what, let's not forget the little guy. You know, they have to get some accolades also. When you talk about like the city manager and uh, your relationships with the other public servants, how is that working to improve and even accelerate the COVID uh, vaccinations? Well, you know, it's funny. I have a funny relationship with the city manager because, you know, being a Chelsea kid, you grew up uh, with a chip on your shoulder, so to speak, because we were always knocked down for who we were. And I know that I press his buttons a lot. I know I push him a lot um, to make sure that Chelsea gets its place. I think he understands that while I tend to bust his Aggies a lot about where we should be going and what we're doing and what is needed in Chelsea, I think he realizes that, you know, I'm coming from at least a good place mm-hmm. because I stated to you, Lydia, I, I grew up in an area that we have always been overlooked. It's been a consistent, you know, a consistent battle to be overlooked, overrun, whether we're talking about Massport, whether we're talking about MassDOT and whether we're talking about the state house, it's really hard to get the attention and the and the justice that we see. Mm-hmm. When you lived or had a career like I've had that has gone out beyond the city limits and seen, oh, look what Newton got, look what Wellesley got, look what Beverly got. And then you come back home, you say, why are we not getting the same sort of treatment? Exactly. Um, you can understand why I come in with that attitude mm-hmm. and say, look, I know what you're doing over there. So, you know, it's just like we need to be treated fairly equally. So I have that relationship with the city manager and say that I always feel that I know that we can do so much more. We should be getting so much more. He's having been a former mayor Revere and, you know, years of service. I know he likes to take a practical, realistic approach and say, look, Roy, you're shooting for the moon. We're never going to get that. I'm always the one that says, but if you don't fight for it, if you don't go asking for 150, yeah, yes. I know maybe we'll get 75. But yeah, go in there fighting and screaming, you know, for the 150. Yes, you have to ask. So that's my sometimes frustration of saying, look, I know we deserve more. Chelsea can be more. Chelsea should be more. And I want more for my community. I know that we have a great, and as I want to mention, Saldi Domenico. He's mm-hmm. been a great ally. Uh, and I think that's why Chelsea has uh, been lucky along. And and it's interesting. I've never had a governor pay as much attention or know about Chelsea as much as Governor Baker. That's great to hear. I, I've to hear. worked under Deval Patrick. We've seen Weld. I know I don't even want to talk about Mitt Romney. I don't even think he could have found Chelsea with a with a map. You know, it's a guy like Baker. I'm not saying that we're going to, you know, that we uh, that we're doing anything more than it or he gives us more than anything else. But it's great to know that they know the community. Yes. Um, And so and they react and they react. Exactly. Mm -hmm. So we've had some great uh, representation so far and attention. And uh, hopefully, you know, the fact that we had to go through so much pain. And I mean that by being 
so high in COVID, uh, you know, and suffer so much. And so much attention was given to our community that fight for equality, for against injustice, and for attention and equal treatment isn't as hard as it was pre-COVID, 10 years ago, and so forth. So No, I believe you're on the map. I really do. Uh, and unfortunately, it was because of the dire straits that you presented in, uh, during COVID. And the reaction to your needs was minimal or at least, you know, extremely slow. Even over here, I mean, I live in Dorchester. I was reading about it in the paper. And as I told you before, my Aunt Mercedes, I was there as a, as a child in Chelsea visiting her up and down Broadway. So it really bothered me what was going on. Yeah. Let's talk about Gladys Vega of the Chelsea Collaborative. She's done so much for Chelsea. She is Chelsea. <laughs> she was just calling me. She actually was just calling me on the other line just now. She is, that is a great operation that they have. You know, I have been a fan of Gladys and the Chelsea Collaborative ever since I got into office mm -hmm. the last 20 years. They have always been the organization I have felt that has tried to give a voice and fight for the little guy years and years and years. And tenant advocacy, immigrant rights, summer jobs, youth program, a program against youth violence, you name the issue locally, and they've been part of the discussion. So I've always worked and tried to advocate for a lot of their causes as a city councilor, just because it, it naturally aligns up with my own way of thinking in politics and so forth. So I have I very much enjoyed their stuff, their, you know, what the, they try to do and who they're working for. Um, so when this came up again with this work with food pantry, it was just a natural extension of what uh, Gladys Vega has done. It was her, and, and I'm and I'm and I'm proud to call her my friend. It was her who was just creating food boxes on her front porch. Exactly. Yeah. And when I closed down my coffee shop. You know, and I was like, OK, I have all this stuff that I'm going to end up throwing away anyway. You know, I said, look, I know you're creating these couple of like five, 10 boxes. Let me just come over and I'll deliver them to you. When I delivered everything to her, I'm looking at the, this whole thing on her front yard as looking as like, you can't do this. The food safety was in my head. I'm thinking as, a, as an owner of a coffee shop and, a, you know, someone who's passed the, the food safety program, like, you can't have food unrefrigerated out in the middle of the floor. You're like, this is insane. I know you're trying to help people, but, you know, you're out in the elements and you're being and you're exposing and you're not keeping the right temperatures and all this. I'm like, look, let me help you. Mm -hmm. And that's how it came to pass that we ended up going to Pani Cafe. And then, of course, like I said, it just blew up. And now she has like a 4,000 square foot warehouse that is pumping out 4,000 to 5,000 boxes a week to Chelsea residents. And I've participated for nearly eight months with that. Yep. We started visiting uh, housing projects that were not being given attention to, delivering to them and doing food distributions in those areas. Part of her organization does tenant advocacy. They are working hand in hand with that new Chelsea legal clinic that we spoke about. Mm -hmm. Now, this has been going on for decades that the work. I just literally was talking today with a relative about how the local executive director of the Chelsea Housing Authority was 
charged with uh, embezzlement. Mm -hmm. Gladys was at the root of that. She was telling people for years that, you know, this guy wasn't on the up and up and no one wanted to pay attention. These are the fights that she has always fought, and which is why I respect her so much, because again, it was for the tenants of the housing authority. And sometimes you got to take on the political establishment. Regardless, yes. Yep. And now here she is. She's finally getting the attention, I think. Oh, she's a machine. I love her. She's a machine. She's strong. Yeah, she's, she's great. You know, she was there. She helped get, the people forget that the Telex Ponzi scheme that, that hit the Latino community and the Brazilian community. I think it was like $76 million. It made it to the show American Greed, you know, and she brought it to the attention of the attorney general. And she continued to push it. Um, when you look back, you say, how was it that she and the organization were not getting the attention, as much media attention in the past? Because her organization has a Chelsea zip code, we can't get the attention and the funding that should go to her. You know, when when organizations like hers are doing that sort of work, they should get funding directed towards her. But it's hard when you don't have a Boston address. And it goes back to that. What I told you, it's so hard to advocate for communities like Chelsea when the other ones are getting all that attention. And I don't care if you're working as a city official I don't care, elected official, I don't care if you're a nonprofit, whatever it may be, it's hard to get that attention when, you know, the the focus is on the bigger uh, the communities. You're right. I see the path for Chelsea. I, I see the path towards the respect that you deserve. Uh, you're clearly on that path, I believe. But I thank you so much for taking the time. And I'm happy we reconnected. And um, I'm very proud of what you're doing out there. And I love Chelsea. There's a lot of people in Boston that love Chelsea. And we're clear supporters of Chelsea. And um, I will continue what I can do for the residents of Chelsea. Well, like I, I like I tell everybody, you know, now that we are, uh, you know, uh, now that uh, more and more people have heard about us, it won't be the last that you hear from us. And uh, we're hoping to really let the more positive stories of Chelsea come out, too. Exactly. And let's continue with the momentum of Chelsea. You know, it's not a stepchild or a stepsister of the other cities uh, in Massachusetts, you know, and the resources. You should have access to the resources in a timely manner, you know. All right. Great. Thank you so much. and Have a great weekend. Thank you. Appreciate it. I want to thank Chelsea City Council President Roy Avellaneda for joining this edition of Building Boston and Beyond. Visit buildingbostonandbeyond.com to get a glimpse of our future guests and the many ways you can follow us on social media. Join us next time to hear the latest topics of discussion in Boston and beyond. <laughs>